Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Ponderings from the Perch. I'm Priscilla McKinney and I am the CEO and Mama Bird here at Little Bird Marketing. And with me today is Emmanuel Probst from Ipsos. Emmanuel, welcome to the program. Priscilla, thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course. So Emmanuel is a global lead. He's a brand thought leader. And he also is, you know, just this little job. I don't know if you've heard of them. It's Ipsos. So he works in brand health tracking over at Ipsos. And he also is the author of a book called Brand Hacks. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what he does over at Ipsos. And then we're also talk a little bit about his book today. So he obviously is very experienced in market research. And I think you do know a little bit about Ipsos to know that they serve the Fortune 500 companies um, with a lot of research. And there's so many different industries that really look to Ipsos, whether it's consumer packaged goods, retail finance, um, or advertising, um, all kinds of media. So I think you're well-versed in that. If you aren't, I don't know what rock you've been living under um, <laughs> in the market research world, at least. But uh, Emmanuel, just for my audience, why don't you tell them a little bit about what you do day-to-day there at Ipsos. Yeah. Thank you, Priscilla. As you said, Ipsos is arguably the largest market research firm in the world now. And what I do at Ipsos is I counsel clients on brand guidance and brand strategy. What I mean by this is we help our clients measure, of course, because we're in market research, but really optimize our brand performance, brand equity, and help clients activate as well. That's really the next generation of market research, in my opinion, that is not just measure, but also help clients predict optimize, activate their marketing efforts. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. It's interesting you say that because you're right. It's not just about kind of what's happened in the past, but this real sites on on future casting or forecasting um, and being ready for what's coming, right? And I mean, we all feel it, you know, from COVID, nobody saw that coming. But once it came, you know, what were those conversations sounding like from your customers thinking, hey, how can we get a, you know, a finger on the pulse of what is changing and how we could get ahead of that? Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, the industry, again, was a lot about surveys, qualitative, quantitative measurement five, seven years ago. And look, that's valuable by all means, but there's an appetite from clients to ideally predict the future, <laughs> if not optimize future investments. The reason why this is important is, obviously for clients to justify their spend for us in market research to further articulate the value we bring to their business, whereby we're not only going to measure in hindsight anymore, we are going to help you brands, again, predict and optimize what will happen in the future. And that, Priscilla, I think is made possible with the diverse sources of data we have access to and we analyze and make sense of for our clients. In other words, once again, lots of value, of course, in surveys, in qualitative focus groups and all that. I'm a big fan of those methodologies. To that, though, we add social listening. We add news monitoring, legislative activity. What else? Sales uh, data, lower funnel data, for example, click-throughs, ad exposure, and so on and so forth. So it is this wealth of data that we collect, combine, analyze that makes those predictions, or shall I say, those uh, strategic foresights possible. 
Okay. I love that. So let me unpack one thing that you talked about there. You know, market research used to be really about identifying the person you want to talk to based on demographics and saying, okay, this is exactly who I need. But now people are, um, can be segmented in a more complex way. So talk to me a little bit about some things you just alluded to, um, you know, that there's other behaviors that they're doing out on social and they're kind of displaying new activity that we actually can account for. We can grab that data because it is out in public domain and we can think about it. We also can work with our client directly and say, Hey, let me see your data. Like you were talking about that. Let me see that, you know, end of the funnel. Let me see what they actually buy, but tell me a little bit more about psychographics or like, what are some of the small little ways that you are being able to get more of an understanding of the target consumer? Yeah. And to your point, Priscilla, in our industry, we did a lot of work around demographics for the longest time. And here again, nothing wrong with this, still very valuable. However, I would argue that for most purchases, money, for example, um, or educational background is not that important. And what is most important is psychographics and also the moment when we are going to market to people. So let me give you an example. If you think of a $200 spend on entertainment, that's a good chunk of money. Uh, Now with $200, you can decide to go to the LA Philharmonic. You can decide to go to Carnegie Hall in New York. You can decide to go to Universal Studios or Disneyland or Disney World, you can decide to go to a Justin Bieber concert or Ariana Grande. You can decide to go to a music festival. You can decide to go to a EDM experience at a club to see a famous DJ. And the point I'm making, or you you can decide to go to a football game or basketball game or a soccer game for $200, you'll get a good seat. The point I'm making here is the spend is the same and it's only a matter of what do you aspire to do? And that's what I mean by psychographics, psychographics, your beliefs, the arts, customs, and really what keeps you up at night in a good way. And the second thing we mentioned that is so important is the moment. When am I going to market to people? Mm. And I'll take a, a very, very simplistic example just to illustrate for the audience today. Think about coffee. If Starbucks markets a frappuccino to you now at 10, in, 10 a.m., we're recording at 10 a.m. on a Friday, that's a good time to market this product for you. And maybe I can upgrade you to a larger size or an extra shot of something. Try to sell that exact same frappuccino at 9 p.m. In all likelihood, unless you work night shifts or you're preparing for a night out of some sort, it's highly unlikely that you're going to drink this same coffee at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. So that really illustrates the power of when do we talk to people, when do we market to people, which is literally as important, often more important than the product. Well, one thing that you and I can agree on is that we know that the biggest change in our lifetime is that the consumer is in the driver's seat. The consumer is in control, right? And, um, you know, budgets have not gotten any smaller in, in advertising, right? Consumerism is still well and good. And so you have billions of dollars that are being spent on marketing and advertising and branding and uh, all these kinds of campaigns to get us to buy their product, Right. But consumers largely have learned how to go into salesperson avoidance mode, 
and they've learned how to ignore ads that are not relevant to them. They've learned how to pay for services to get them outside of ads and things like that. And so this is a world where now knowing more information and really fine tuning that the advertising budget is super important. So that really leads us into the common ground you and I have, which led you to write the book Brand Hacks. So tell me a little bit about that and what you know what you were aiming to do and say with that book. Yeah, to your point, Priscilla, consumers don't want more ads. Consumers don't want more brands. We're already overwhelmed with all this. Uh, we're overwhelmed with technology, social media. We all love our cell phones and tablets. Um, and that said, we check our phone 83 times a day. And in that regard, yeah, right? Once every 30 minutes. When you have two phones, uh, well, that might be once every 15 minutes. Look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So people are overwhelmed with social media. People don't want more choice. People want to feel comforted in the choices they're making. That's really where we're at. The point of the book is to say, unlike other marketing books, whereby other marketing books look at force-feeding customers with more ads and more products. Here we pause, we take a step back. We acknowledge that most people don't love brands. Most people don't love ads. Most people don't seek more brands, more products, more ads. What are they trying to achieve? People are trying to fulfill meaning, do something that is meaningful for themselves, that's personal meaning, do something that helps them connect with the group, with society, with their friends and family, that is social meaning, and do something to advance their personal projects in terms of culture, adventure, discovery, learning new things, and that's cultural meaning. Once we understand those meanings, from there, we build brands that help fulfill these quests for meaning. Okay. Okay. That was the mic drop here. So this idea of meaning, this is why psychographic is so important because now you are understanding what I mean by the pursuits that I have. And you're not then forcing me to translate them um, for you, but I'm getting to live my own life as a consumer. And it's now the brand who has to retranslate their product and how it might have meaning for me. Exactly. You got it. You're, you're getting to live your own life. Who are you and who do you want to become? Mm. that's your personal identity project. That's personal meaning. And from there, as a brand, how am I going to help transform you? That's Mm -hmm. where I come in. Mm -hmm. That's what's valuable here in in branding. And that's what makes uh, brands stick, if you will. That's also what is going to drive loyalty. Mm -hmm. If you help me become a better person or the person I want to become, then you have a good shot at selling me over and over. I just checked my credit card statement this morning and I noticed that Calm, which is an app that I use for meditation, just renewed automatically uh, my payment for $69.95 for the year, $70. And this brand benefits me because it helps, it transforms me into a better person. And the same applies maybe to a concert ticket and the same applies to gym membership and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. That's really the value brands bring to people's lives. How am I going to help you transform you, make you feel better about yourself and the world around you and educate you in a good way, right? Yeah. Uh, give you well, access to your culture. 
from a brand perspective though, now that you're making me nervous because like what you're saying is that everybody gets their own life, right? So that Mm -hmm. idea of meaning is very idiosyncratic and it's very, you know, uh, user specific. So how did you parse out what can I learn and, and understand about this meaning for this individual? But now I've got several billion to spend. Mm-hmm. So how do I figure out what, uh, what, is, what are these groups of meanings? Like how are, are there things that are really trending more, you know, for um, groups, uh, uh, you know, so that I, it would be worth it to me spent to spend advertising here. And then how do you determine whether that trend that you're seeing in the market, whether it's got staying power or whether it's just a fad. Tell me how that feeds into it. Yeah, well, what's valuable is the the, the good news for our audience today is you don't necessarily need to talk to people one-on-one. You can group their behavior. Just the same thing as what we see in advertising with the third-party cookie going away and all that. That's not necessarily that big of a deal because what's important to us as marketers is to be able to target cohorts of people with similar attitudes and behaviors. And one-on-one marketing was the thing to talk about for the longest time, and that's fine. But from an advertising standpoint, you cannot deploy billions of different messages anyway. So back to the book and back to your, your question, your precise question is, we cover 10 meanings in this book. And that's not to say that everyone ticks all the boxes and that a given brand should tick all the boxes, but those meanings are central to large chunk of populations. So let me give you an example. Nostalgia is one. And nostalgia is meaningful because in this world of new technology and AI and VR, and all this is fascinating, but it also makes us feel very insecure. Is my job going to go away because of VR? And what does that really mean to have a headset and all that? So nostalgia is meaningful to us because it brings us comfort in this crazy world of technology. And it brings us back to a past that is comforting and reassuring. Now, Nostalgia works across virtually all age groups. And um, a a very good example, my students, they're by definition 25 years old or younger. And I see them wearing T-shirts like Guns N' Roses or Pulp Fiction. It's very interesting because Pulp Fiction came out in, I think, 94, 96. So none of them were born and... Uh, when the movie came out and the, and and that's how you see a store like um, Urban Outfitter for example being successful because you can target younger audience groups with nostalgia and they're just fine buying items from a time they didn't live through because they were not born but again it brings this comfort something that's reassuring and nostalgia also applies um, to you Priscilla you have that nice P at the back in your background mm-hmm. that is gently worn. How should I say? You know the paint. Yeah, yeah. It's, so just, it's distressed. Distressed. Thank you. That was the, <laughs> the what I was looking for. But see, that's a great example. Think about it. Not only you don't need a P on your wall because guess what? Everyone knows that your name is Priscilla. But you could have a, a LED P. You could have a very slick P in a sensory font and so on and so forth. Interestingly, though, you chose that piece of memorabilia that must be meaningful to you in one fashion or another. 
Right. Oh my gosh. It's so funny because it is a bygone era that I didn't live through of the era of metallic signs, you know, and this, yeah. and I will say just on a personal level, yes, I, I would very much like to get back to the day where I was never happier than when I was playing with my Weeble Wobbles treehouse. And I'm sure mm. he did not grow up with one of these, but if there's these little like figurines and the family and they wobbled, but they did not fall down. And I remember putting that little family when I was a kid in into the treehouse and on the little, I mean, if I even saw that mm. toy at this point, you know, I would, I would completely be transformed back into that real comfort and that, that sense of everything is okay. Okay. And it's easy for us, I think, to see in toys and games. It's nostalgia is very easy, but I find it very interesting that you pick that out of what is in my, my surroundings that I have chosen to put things in my surroundings that aren't quite as perfect and aren't new and aren't modern. And that is something that is a meaning that we, we carry around and you're right. Brands need to be able to see that. So, you know, as a trained anthropologist, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I just, just learned something that I hadn't really considered. And, and I really love that. Before we go on though, I do want to point out, um, you know, I, I am aware that you actually have an MBA in marketing, which I don't. So this is good. So, and, but this is my show, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you all also have a PhD and what is your PhD in Emmanuel? In, in consumer psychology, my personal quest, if you will, has been for the last 16 years to understand why do people do what they do? That's what fascinates me. And if I may reflect on what you just said about uh, the P is not perfect, that's another chapter of a book about authenticity that says imperfect is perfect. And once Mm -hmm. again, you don't care for the paint on your P to be perfect. You don't want it to be that way. That's what brings authenticity. And that's what is real in advertising. And you see this um, in branding, uh, look at Victoria's Secret for the longest time, the advertised perfect woman, which was arguably condescending and misogynistic. And the brand is tumbling down double digits. In contrast, see a brand like Airy, that's uh, underwear from um, Abercrombie & Fitch, I believe, and brands that choose to advertise with normal people instead of size zero models that haven't eaten anything for two weeks. Those ones are way more successful. They open stores. So authenticity is the key. Meaning is the key. Those are two great examples here. Mm, Okay. I love that. So let's end with this. What is the challenge then for marketers in light of everything Mm -hmm. that you've said to me and said, you know, this is the conundrum that we're living in. And so, you know, you, you wrote the book brand hack. So what would you say is the sharpest thing that brands can do now in order to really stay relevant and keep on top of, of, of what they need to be doing next? Yeah, well, meaning is even more important after the pandemic than it was two, three years ago. We spoke about nostalgia. We spoke about comfort and coziness. You see this, it translates in sales, whereby Home Depot and Ikea and Wayfair are all doing very well as people want to create a a place that is cozy and comforting. That doesn't mean having plenty of objects. It means acquiring objects that are meaningful to you. That's how Etsy is doing so well, because you don't need another mug. However, you might buy a mug that feels authentic to you from an artisan, something that's handmade. Mm -hmm. So what do brands need to do? They need to do two things. They need to 
keep driving traffic and sales because the truth is that's how marketers are goal setted. So tactical actions. However, they absolutely all need to keep building the brand. I know it sounds basic, but trust me, it isn't. Um, reflect on the pandemic. We are going to compare Pepsi versus Procter & Gamble or Unilever. And what we see is the ones in soda pops that stopped advertising for the pandemic. They stopped building the brands. They're declining. Pepsi, I think, is down 7%. Mm-hmm. In contrast, you see the Unilever, the purposeful brands from Unilever, for example, 28 brands, yeah, Dove and the likes that have a purpose around sustainability, equality, and all that. Those brands are growing double digits. That illustrates why, as a marketer, sure, you keep to do you, you keep doing some lower funnel advertising to drive traffic, but do not lose sight of the brand. Now is the time to reinforce, to affirm your brand values, your brand purpose, and broadcast that you're making a positive impact on society. We mm. see this in all studies at Ipsos. People are particularly sensitive to brands and will advocate and pay a premium for brands that are going to make a positive impact on me, my world, and the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you saw this coming through even in the Nike ads, you know, yeah. and this was, you know, this was before COVID. But yeah, I can understand what you're saying that after COVID, you know, maybe it's hit even more of a, you know, a, a, just a raw level with a lot of people and it's not going to go away. I will end by saying big shout out to, I do not need another mug, but <laughs> Marianne Janice Smith, an amazing uh, market researcher um, uh, that I know out of Alabama, she sent me this and it says mama bird. And so, you know, when I think about like, how do we operate and why do we buy this is to convey certain meaning and, 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 you know, what is it that somebody wants to accomplish? I just, I love not being able to unsee a pattern after that. It's just, it, that's super amazing. I, this mug you just showed exemplifies and summarizes our conversation. You could go to the dollar store right now and buy 10 mugs for $10. You're not going to do this. Look at this wonderful mug that connects you to your associate, to your friends, and how you treasure this possession. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. And that person. So yeah. yeah. So brands need to become awake and alive to that, but you can reach out to Dr. Probst on LinkedIn and that's Emmanuel Probst and it's P-R-O-B-S-T. So definitely check him out there, but definitely when we actually post um, on LinkedIn that this uh, podcast is airing, we'll also do a book giveaway. So if you're interested in reading brand hacks, uh, we'll give you a shot at that, but you can definitely look it up, of course, on Amazon. But if you have questions that go a little bit deeper about this meaning, this trend, this fad, and what brands really need to do in order to move beyond demographics and really understand why psychographics are going to really hold more of the deeper meaning for, you know, solid research today and in the future, then definitely reach out to him. And um, as always, um, we do appreciate uh, you listening. And if you have questions about this show, definitely give us a shout and we'll have guests on that are meaningful to you. So Emmanuel, thank you so much for joining us today. Priscilla, thank you so much. Thank you so much to our audience for listening. And as you said, um, of course, you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn, 
if you have any other questions, by all means, connect with me directly. You can buy the book as well on Amazon, that's Brand Hacks. But also I want to tell our listeners, there are plenty of resources you can access for free. And if you want to find out more about my writing on meanings, on brand purpose, on sustainability, on data privacy, you can just go on ipsos.com and download papers. And not only they're free, but we don't even capture your email address. So feel free to access those, those free resources. There is a lot of interesting content here that will be valuable to our listeners if they wish to do so. Awesome. Free and ungated. I love it. <laughs> From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.